welcome to another session of Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. I'm Jamal Adams. And I'm Nate Sessoms. Welcome back, and thank you all for joining us. For those of you who might be new to the space, Just Conversation is a podcast that's positioned at the nexus of faith and all matters pertaining to race, justice, and Catholic education. We highlight historical and current happenings in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism, while focusing on solutions, systems changes, and amplifications of voices working to create a more just and egalitarian society for all. Each episode, we engage in authentic yet provocative dialogue seasoned with critical perspectives, scholarship, and of course, life experiences. We also conduct interviews, moderate panel discussions featuring campus and community leaders, and interrogate issues related to mission and identity. We also, we also answer live questions from listeners. Ultimately, we aim to increase levels of awareness while normalizing conversations on all forms of oppression and marginalization. And as two brothers who are engaged in this work, we ascribe to the idea that there's room for everybody in the movement. So no matter how much you know or don't know, we invite you to engage with us. After all, these are just conversations. And as a reminder, we'd love to hear your ideas and thoughts um, on how we can make this a more effective space for you. So just please send us a note at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Again, one more time, that email address is email us at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. My man, Nate, how we doing, What's brother? up? What's up, brother? I'm good. I am uh, starting to wind it down. I've got grading grading going on with, uh, with students and final exams and... Uh, Hopefully, by uh, this Wednesday evening, I'll be able to shut it down for good and engage in the holiday season for sure. How about you? Right. I'm good, man. 2021, it's been mm-hmm. a, a year of change as I see myself move from yeah. one institution to another yeah. and yep. assume this principalship job. So uh, yeah. it was quite a challenge, um, but one that um, expanded me and, and had me thinking and using um, you know, mental and physical muscles that I hadn't used in a while. And, yep. Uh, yep. I know I'm better for it, yes, so uh, it's uh, it's exciting again to share this space uh, to continue to try to um, have our podcast be a space for people to engage, to learn, um, to hear new ideas, um, ones that may align with their beliefs and systems, um, and those that may not, and uh, and hopefully uh, create um, some cognitive dissonance for those who are trying to understand um, how to be better um, citizens. In this, in this really, you know, caustic um, and divisive world. Hey, I hear that, brother. I hear that. It's good to see you, man. I hear. Good I, to I see didn't have anything well. else to say, man. You, you touched on everything in that one. That, that, was, that was great. That was great. Oh, uh, no. We got a lot to say today, yeah, brother. We, do. we got You're a lot right. to say. You're right. I, you know what? Let's get into it. So, so today, we're continuing our conversation regarding anti-racism, and in particular, the context within which we are now living. Uh, we've been calling this the post-George Floyd era. Um, and through our conversations, we've highlighted the idea that the murder of George Floyd was, in fact, a moment, but it was a moment that spawned a movement. And there, and it's very important that people understand the era, understand uh, the context that we're now living in um, as people of color, LGBT community, other oppressed and marginalized populations have high expectations, to be really honest. Uh, expectations that people, uh, society, is focused on doing better. And being better. Um, and so so we've been talking about this. And in our last episode, we highlighted the challenges associated with listening uh, while emphasizing its importance. 
today, we're going to focus on engaging in the conversation, engaging in the conversation. So, so Jamal, I want to, I want to bring you uh, back into this. Uh, and I know in, in your work, you talked about your principalship now, but I know you've done obviously a lot of work in the DEIA space. How often do you get the question, uh, from, you know, uh, colleagues, uh, individuals who might interact with at conferences, uh, um, just in the general public that might say or ask, do we have to discuss racism again? Or haven't we talked about this already? How, how often do you get questions like that? Ooh, boy, uh, often, yeah. often. And I think, yeah. um, you know, if you think about over the years and, and if you think about um, maybe continue to think about eras, you know, the um, election and the presidency mm-hmm. of Barack Obama supposedly ushered in this post-racial America, right, in which we have finally kind of shaken off the shackles of race and racism and the ways that that had um, um, enumerated or or led our our understanding of America, uh, because now we had gotten into the space where we had elected a black president. And I think, um, I think, uh, if anything, this new era, uh, the George Floyd era, the post-George Floyd era has brought to us is that Unfortunately, we are still kind of in the crosshairs of, of a racial, a racialized America. So often people aren't familiar with the struggles um, that oppressed and marginalized people have dealt with, the history of that. Um, not only, like I said, the history, but the everyday basis. Um, many don't see the importance of these type of conversations. But we, you and I both know, uh, these conversations are critical. Absolutely. Um, so understanding why they're critical um, needs to happen um, as, as folks become more familiar with the story um, and the, I think the causality of how we get here in 2021, um, these conversations help us build a better understanding uh, of cause and effect. <clears throat> I think the other question, though, that I want to come back to you and really is central to this uh, conversation between you and I is uh, folks have really kind of think uh, awareness is up. Uh, there was nothing you could do. We were all at home. We watched, um, you know, that slow um, mm-hmm. and insidious murder of, of George Floyd. We watched uh, Americans and, and really, I would say, global citizens around the world take to the streets and say no more. Um, and we had all of these different things from corporations and institutions and monies and all these type of things that went to try to build um, a more egalitarian racial union in our country. And now we look back, it's, it's, it's almost unbelievable to say, um, almost 18 months later, and I think the big question is, and I'll, and I'll pass it to you, is how do I or we stay engaged in these productive conversations as, we, as time continues to go forward? Um, and so uh, I'll ask you that, Nate, you know, how do we keep going? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a really important question. I think we're, we're, we are way beyond the days of the annual or biannual conversation on racism and oppression and marginalization that most people had or a lot of people had you know, in, in their uh, places of employment or people had, in, you know, in their school. Um, uh, I, I think uh, we're also uh, way past this idea of avoiding these types of conversations altogether. All I mean, we've got to get better. Um, and I would argue in particular, in the case of Catholic institutions, uh, we need to understand in particular that these types of conversations represent the second step. Last week, we talked about the first step, and that is learning how to listen and listen effectively. Um, but the second step is uh, understanding that these types of conversations uh, represent opportunities to to become persons formed with others, right? So we need to understand why 
these conversations are so important before we actually engage in them. Like why, why am I, why is it important for us to have this conversation on a regular basis? And then once I understand that, how do I do it? How do I get engaged? How do I stay engaged? Um, and so to your point, Jamal, uh, once we understand how important these conversations are, we can begin to strategize, right? We get to think about how we engage. Uh, so, and, and, and aside from representing a sincere demonstration of effort, right? Um, engagement can symbolize the willingness to step outside of one's comfort zone, uh, to learn about new experiences, to acquire new forms of knowledge, and, and I would argue most importantly, to be exposed to someone else's reality. I mean, I think, um, you know, you learn so much by listening, uh, and that's the first step, but when we can engage in conversation, um, it, it's, I, I think individuals who have been historically oppressed and marginalized um, and had their voices and opinions and experiences, uh, you know, pushed to the margins, uh, appreciate, and, and that's, that's an understatement, appreciate uh, the fact that their experiences, um, that their knowledge base, that their sentiments, that their thoughts can now be centered. So to the effect that we can, uh, we can have an appreciation for that and uh, they can be given privilege, um, uh, you know, I think we are creating by doing that uh, or at least we're on the way to creating a much more just and equitable society. So, Amen. Amen. I think I'm, I'm, as I hear you talk, I'm thinking about um, so much of Pope Francis's um, uh, kind of engagement uh, with the church. It's been around this idea of encounter, uh -huh, right? And uh -huh. that, that we have to, you know, see each other and be with each other yep. and represent our full, full humanity. And I would just suggest that what you said, particularly this idea of being exposed to someone else's reality is kind of at the essence of what we're being called to do uh, in the way, in the face of, of, of encounter. So, right. so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to focus on understanding the importance of these conversations on racism, oppression, and marginalizations and ways to stay engaged in these really important conversations. See you after the break. Join the Ignatian Solidarity Network in New York City or via live stream on Wednesday, April 27th for Ignite, a celebration of justice. We'll be honoring Father Brian Massengale, racial justice scholar, and Marie Dennis, international peace advocate, with the Robert M. Holstein Faith Doing Justice Award for their years of work to build a more just and equitable world. Hear from these honorees and more while uplifting and supporting the work of the Ignatian Solidarity Network. Tickets, sponsorship opportunities, and more information are available at igsoul.net forward slash ignite. That's I-G-S-O-L dot net forward slash ignite. We hope to see you there. Welcome back. Today we're talking about engaging in the conversations on race, racism, marginalization, and oppression. Let's go ahead and get to our talking points. Let's again center those two questions that we kind of finished the first uh, part of this episode on, and that is why are these conversations so important, and how do we engage or stay engaged in these conversations? I'll start by just saying that why are these um, conversations so important around racist, race, racism, marginalization, oppression? It starts with the idea that first off, um, because I think our societally we've been hesitant to to wade into these waters, there's a ton of misinformation out there, right? Unfortunately, our society is often marked by the idea of difference, of, of, of segregating ourselves, 
of 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 creating spaces in which um, difference is the way that we separate, not come together. And I think developing awareness of the other, of the ability to really walk in other someone else's shoes, um, to come back to our Jesuit and our Ignatian ideology of being uh, persons with and for others. Uh, that 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 engagement is 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 centered around kinship and mutuality, right? This idea that one we're together, but most importantly that our destinies are tied together. I think this is the first reason why these conversations are just way uh, so important. I think it also breaks the the cycle um, and gets us back on the idea of uh, really engaging in the similarities, right? As as we exchange narratives and we start to understand. You know, that my experience versus your experience, though uh, we may be told at so many different spaces and places that there's this massive difference, particularly around those of different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, what we often find out is that there are a tremendous amount of similarities, particularly in the, the values that we might hold or the things that we find important in our lives or even the way that we might engage both in work and in play. That as we get to go and understand those similarities, right, we get to, to move forward as a connected, uh, unified uh, unit of human beings. Um, and I think um, I just know that one of my favorite um, kind of ideologies in doing this work, right, is it's hard to hate um, once you know somebody um, and once one's souls yep. connect. It's really, yep. really hard to hate. Um, and then I would say, again, I'll go back to what we talked about in our, our last, in the episode four, right, is that. As we engage in these conversations, uh, we're going to find out a lot of things that we may have been taught uh, both um, at our homes and in our educational experience growing up are inaccurate, right? That we've been socialized in a certain way to believe uh, many falsehoods um, on both sides of the ledger uh, that can be um, that when the light of day comes out and that truth is revealed, um, really reveals um, an opportunity uh, for us to imagine a better way forward in the future, right? Like, again, I go back to the quote that I love um, from Clint Smith's work um, and how the word was passed. It's, it's his idea is how do we tell a story, right? How do we tell a story that's been told the wrong way for so long? Well, I think the way we do that, uh, unfortunately, is, is a slow burn. It is brick by brick engaging with each other, um, really um, looking at the historical facts, again, the causality of how we get here after 400 years of this great experiment known as America. And then I would argue colonization globally is a part of this. Um, and how can we really get to the truth? So what do you think, Nate? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think uh, these conversations are critical. Um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Jamal, the, 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 the times in which we're living, a lot of the words that are part of these conversations, anti-racism, uh, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, a lot of these words and terms uh, have been politicized, right? So people are fearful, uh, but really don't know what they're fearful about, or uh, they know exactly what they're fearful about, uh, but those fears are unfounded and they really don't need to be fearful. So, uh, it, you know, it's hard. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people that are kind of bracing themselves and in many ways uh, avoiding the conversation, which we've done historically, and we can see very easily where that's gotten us. Right. So through the conversation, by having the conversation, by being willing to engage in dialogue, uh, that's a way for us to depoliticize uh, these words and discuss their true application in society. So I think that's one reason why 
the conversations are so important. Um, you know, another reason why uh, these conversations are critical is, uh, you know, Jamal, you and I always talk about how this work uh, begins with the self, right? As you as you engage in this work, you spend a lot of time looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, you know, what are my areas of growth? Um, you know, w- w- how can I be better? Um, but I, th- I think, you know, that that's it right there. What, you know, this work in many ways can expose you. And I don't say that to scare people. Uh, in fact, we're trying to do the opposite here. Um, but, but, I, but I do think people need to understand who they are, right? What do you need to be more knowledgeable, knowledgeable about, right? I think people run from the idea that they have imperfections, right? We all are trying to do better and be better and learn more about each other. I think that work starts with understanding who you are. Um, and then the more you're involved in conversations, you know, every time Jamal and I, you engage in, anytime you and I engage in conversation, we walk away going, man, I didn't know, I didn't know that about you. Man, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had that experience. Well, I've been knowing you. For just, real. I didn't, I didn't even know that happened. Wow. I, you know, man, I can't, we got to talk about that next time. And then we talk next time and we get into something else and it's like on and on. But, you know, through our conversations, we've learned a lot about each other um, that have helped us to better understand each other and deepen our relationship. And I think that's what, um, you know, the, these conversations can do. You and I have a lot in common, uh, but, you know, we talk probably more often about the things that we don't have in common, um, and that continues to bring us back to the table. So I think that's really important. Um, you know, uh, we talk about the word, and, and, and if people are familiar with this, uh, the listeners, this word decol- decolonizing, um, if you're not, that's okay. We're going to cover that too. Stay tuned. Um, we talk about decolonizing our minds, right? Cleansing our minds. Um, as you talked about, Jamal, you know, how do we tell stories that have been, uh, where information has been shared um, from, uh, from perspectives that aren't accurate for a very long time, right? So how do we get people to cleanse their minds and get beyond these generalizations, these, um, uh, uh, these stereotypes, Right. That that, for example, uh, we most of us learn, you know, don't say this because that's offensive to that community. Don't don't do that because that's offensive to that community. Well, you know, as you get older and you stay in these conversations, you learn that communities aren't monoliths. Right. There are a lot of intersections uh, within communities. Um, there is no one black experience. There is no one Latinx experience. Um, you know, we have to think about the kinds of um the kinds of challenges that people face uh that might be rooted in race and racism the kinds of challenges they face that might be rooted in um uh that that with respect to our genders um with respect to our sexuality uh and that that makes uh um communities uh, intersectional right that that's how we can get into uh if you don't know the term intersectionality we're going to get into that one too if you know eventually in the in this, I'm seeing me promoing Jamal. I'm promoing here, but, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but, yes, sir. But um, but you know, intersectionality is important, and understanding that communities aren't monoliths, right? And people have different experiences. Uh, what I, what I wanted to say was, uh, there are some challenges in our society that are that are rooted in race, and some challenges that are rooted in 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 class, and some challenges that are rooted in um, you know, uh, all types of variables. Um. Uh, and then they can be they can be doubled down, right? You can be you can face a particular type uh, of experience in life every day because you are a woman and a woman of color, right? And so we have to understand that, and then we learn that we learn what that experience is like through conversation. Um, 
Conversations challenge us to know what we're talking about and learn new language, right? So I'm, we're, we're around people sometimes, Jamal, that would say, we know this language is um, it's exclusionary or, or the language of anti-racism is, is, is academic, too academic, or it's, you know, and, and nothing could be further from the truth, right? So we, we don't want to run from the challenge of learning. We want to embrace it. We want to embrace it. We want to learn. And then we can apply what we've learned. Um, and then lastly, I would just say, you know, we live in a time where for some reason, and Jamal, we talk about this a lot, um, that, uh, that, that acquiring more knowledge about our history is a bad thing. And I'm thinking about examples like the 1619 project, right? Um, and so one of the things we have to, uh, remember, and, you know, I'm going to go old school for a minute and probably date us here, Jamal, but, uh, I know (laughs) I grew up this way. I know I've heard you talk about you grew up this way. We grew up in a space where we were taught knowledge is power. So the more you know, the more knowledge you acquire, that's a good thing. That can never be a bad thing. Um, and I think the point there is to acknowledge the fact that there, there are many ways to acquire knowledge. Uh, reading books, yes. Watching documentaries, yes. Um, but engaging in conversations is uh, and doing so respectfully is another way to acquire knowledge uh, and also get practice in um, you know, sharing your thoughts and sharing what you've learned. So I just, I just want to put that on the table. Um, and I'll hand it back to, to, back to you, back to you, Jamal. Man, so much that you said to digest. And I know we'll get into that in the next section. Um, you know, I think so much of what you said is that, you know, what we're asking people to do is to move beyond the academic, the reading and the videos to engage in, and people, and if anything, to put a face, uh, to, uh, to be able to ascribe a human being, um, to some of the knowledge that you may have and some of the people that have had um, trials and tribulations that they're, they're dealing with. So so with that, uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, but when we in- return, we're going to discuss ways not only to engage, but to stay engaged in these right. type of conversations. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you someone who studies, teaches, or practices Catholic social tradition? Education for Justice is a global digital subscription membership service offering members access to a growing library of thousands of text-based and multimedia resources, a monthly e-newsletter, and other benefits to help you approach the world's headlines and the justice issues of our time through the lens of Catholic social teaching. Learn more at educationforjustice.org. Again, that's educationforjustice.org. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about the importance of engaging in conversations on racism, marginalization, and oppression. Before we get back to the discussion, I want to recommend a book. Uh, The book is titled Across That Bridge, A Vision for Change and the Future of America. It's written by John Lewis, uh, United States congressman and, of course, civil rights leader. Uh, Congressman Lewis uh, passed away in uh, the summer of 2020, uh, but uh, I'm sure many people may know him. If you do not, please uh, do take a look uh, online. You can look up John Lewis and learn more about him. Um, but uh, the, the book is just great throughout. I mean, there's not, there isn't one thing, and, and we could do, Jamal, I could probably do about two or three episodes of a podcast on this book, <laughs> but uh, I, w- I really want to highlight uh, something uh, that comes up in the book in fact, there's an entire chapter, second chapter, I believe, is on faith. And I think um, 
you know, when we have these conversations, Jamal, and, and uh, engaging with our colleagues or with students, um, you know, when we talk about our, our, our uh, Ignatian spirituality and vernacular, uh, one of the things that I think we can uh, promote more often is you know, we hear the term faith that does justice. And I think that can be confusing to people. Um, so, so we can say a faith that does justice, but what does that actually look like? Uh, you know, wh- where are the examples of that? You know, do we recognize it when we see it? And I don't think there's a better example uh, um, than people like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And in this case, uh, Congressman John Lewis. Uh, these people are examples uh, of, of the faith that does justice. And so he talks a lot about that uh, in this particular chapter on faith. And I would just ask you to, to you can get the book for about, um, I think it's like $8, $9 on Amazon. It's paperbacks, small book in size, uh, but it is powerful. Uh, I've recommended this book to several people. I haven't had anyone come back and say, you know, that was a terrible recommendation. Most people I know have been engaging with it. So check it out when you get a chance. Again, it's called, a, it's, it's titled Across That Bridge, A Vision for Change and the Future of America. It's by John Lewis, one of the uh, foremost anti-racist of the last hundred years, amazing man, led an amazing, amazing life, um, and uh, you will not be disappointed. So check that out. All right, let's get back to the dialogue. Uh, we are, again, focusing on ways to engage in conversations on racism, oppression, and marginalization. So in the previous uh, uh, segments of today's episode, we've talked about why these conversations are so important, why they're so important. Uh, now we want to shift gears and get into, you know, that next question, Jamal, that we talked about when people, when people will come to one of us and say, well, how, how do I engage in these kinds of conversations? And then how do I remain engaged in them? This is something we've heard a lot of people share that they simply aren't comfortable doing. And so I would offer just to start us off. Uh, the first thing that people have to remember is uh, the initial way to engage in conversation, as we discussed last episode, is to listen, is to listen. Uh, People often think that if they attend a gathering or a program that's focused on some aspect of marginalization or oppression, that they're going to be asked to lead the conversation or stand up and give a testimony or the mic's going to be handed to them. And in most of the situations I've been in or or programs that I've attended or planned, and and, and that's uh, quite a a large number, um, that's never been the case, right? You You can attend a gathering, you can listen, and you can learn. Right. You can pay attention to the language that's being used. You can zero in on the looks uh, on the faces of people of color uh, and other oppressed and and marginalized uh, groups, uh, members of groups. And they're sharing their experiences. Uh, You can ask yourself uh, if you engage in any type of the behavior that's similar to the behaviors that are being discussed. There's a lot of work that's going on, a lot of activity, and you haven't said a word. So listening, being present, listening. And then asking yourself some questions, right? Then later, you know, as you attend these types of gatherings on a more regular basis, you can speak. But you're speaking um, with knowledge of other perspectives uh, than your own, right? So it's a way of sort of arming yourself, if you will. Um, I think we often discount our own ability to prepare ourselves for such conversations, right? So I think that uh, secondarily, people should take the time to understand who they are, as I mentioned in the last segment. What do you know about your culture? Where are your ancestors from? What were their experiences? How have those experiences contributed to your current standing society or lack thereof? If you have that kind of knowledge 
and you attend the conversation that's on race, racism, anti-racism, oppression, marginalization, you are automatically in a different type of position to, to perhaps share or to perhaps learn. And as you're listening, layer that on top of the knowledge that you already have about yourself. So uh, there's never a, a bad time to engage in uh, understanding who you are. Lastly, uh, before I hand it over to you, Jamal, I just want to highlight that our knowledge base is really important, right? How, the, our ability to learn, to educate ourselves, um, to uh, you know, acquire knowledge through reading, through uh, watching documentaries, things like that, are really important. But I also would, would, would argue that our mindset, our individual mindsets are just as important. Right. Admitting that you don't know all that you might think, you know, or that your experiences aren't the only experiences that matter in life automatically puts you in a space where you are now open and willing to learn. Right. Uh, so I know and I've seen a lot of people become frustrated because they are at the same time fearful of these conversations. Then they're attending events, but they're doing so with a closed mind. And then they become angry or even more angry because they don't feel as though they're learning anything. Um, I want to be, I want to be very direct here uh, that white folk who engage in these types of conversations or anybody else, you have to do this while demonstrating a receptive attitude, an attitude that would say, I'm here to learn something new. Right. And not that we expect, not that you would expect people of color or the, the, you know, other oppressed and marginalized uh, individuals to be the sole source of education but you're here to learn something new because you don't know as much as you'd like to know, right? You want to learn more. So uh, I'll just close Jamal by saying, I think it's good to admit that you don't know everything, right? Because if nothing else, it motivates you to learn more. So Jamal, I want to bring you into this. Um, you know, what, what, do, what do you think? Where do you stand with, uh, with this idea of um, uh, how, how people can engage in these conversations and remain engaged? What do you think? Um, first off, again, so much uh, wisdom in what you said. So the things that I think about um, when we were imagining this conversation is, is first off, um, I'll just re-echo what you said. I think, one, you got to come from a space of being hum- mm-hmm. humble and honest. Yep. Um, and I, and I kind of want to expand on that in that, right, um, you got to be wanting to and willing to learn. Uh, but I think that honesty um, is is a huge part of that, right? Because right. I was thinking about this, like the lived experience of of, of various segments of our society. I think um, people of color, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself as a black man, you know, um, who's navigated institutions that um, um, haven't necessarily um, had large swaths of, of other black men or black women involved, uh, predominantly white institutions, right? Mm-hmm. I have had to reconcile multiple perspectives. That mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. part of my ability to um, to navigate those spaces and really to succeed is that, um, you know, I had to educate myself about the various perspectives, why these institutions existed, what are their um, norms um, or, or rules of engagement. Um, and, and, and I don't say that as um, someone that is bitter. No, those, that is an acquired skill and it's made me a better human being right. um, and my ability to navigate those. And I think um, and in doing this work, we're asking folks to do that. And, and I'll say, you know, you hear um, um, on high so often, um, and I've had people, particularly uh, friends of mine, people of color that do this work, that are like, well, these folks got to do their own work, right? And, and we can't be totally responsible for them. And, and that's true, right? Folks that are, um, that this is a new space for them, they've got to do their reading and 
They've got to do their documentary watching and all that. But what I would suggest to them is the space that oftentimes falls short, I think, is um, I would ask folks to be really reflect. Yep. To really reflect and interrogate. That's the word I would use. Interrogate this new information versus what you've been taught. Right. I, I don't want people to be skeptical um, of the information they got just to be to be difficult, but really to try and understand the idea of like I was taught this, but I'm hearing this. And how do I assimilate that in my way of thinking, speaking and engaging with other human beings? Right. There's a reason why in the dictionary we have words like propaganda and marketing. Right. Those are to influence us to think one way. Right, which may or may not be in line with the truth. So finding a way to to scrub, you know, all the funds of knowledge that we bring to a new situation versus with new information, um, and and finding a way to to really uh, find our own truth um, is really hard, right? Because it's it's asking us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and the last thing I will say is this, you know, being that. Um, uh, you know, this this podcast is sponsored by the Ignatian Solidarity Network um, and really is built in our Jesuit and Ignatian roots. I think one of the best examples of how to do this work um, is built into the Ignatian pedagogical paradigm. And that paradigm says that as we navigate the world, there's really five steps for us to try to think about how we engage. The first is context, which we've talked a lot about, right? Listening, finding out learning new stuff, getting new sources, right? Then there's the experience. That's engaging in conversations. To have a human experience that brings some of that knowledge to life, makes it real, uh, makes it tangible. Um, the third part is reflection, which I just talked about. This really, this idea of melding my prior knowledge with new knowledge to have some new or enlightened perspective. The fourth part, right, is is this action piece, right? Is now that I uh, know uh, better, I got to do better, right? I know, I know, Nate. You probably heard that, you know, Absolutely. somebody in your life has said that to you, Absolutely. right? Now that you know better, right. you got to do that's, better. That's, that's right? granny. That's granny, right? That's there. granny. That's I was gonna say that's granny yeah, or that's granny. auntie or somebody, mm-hmm. right? And yep. then that last step is to evaluate and start over again, right? Right. I went through this four steps. Now I'm at this final step. Now. Am I better? Did this help? If it didn't, how do I kind of restart that process? And and um, I know as a teacher, I really held that model um, uh, to heart um, in the way I thought about lesson planning. Um, and as I would say, um, someone that's engaged um, in, in the work of bringing DE&I and A um, information and conversations to the masses, I think it's also a wonderful, wonderful um, um, schematic to keep in mind. So yeah. so with that, Nate, I'll pass it back yeah. to you and, and let you talk about what you think uh, I had to say. So, Jamal, I agree with with uh, everything you said. Uh, I, I think uh, that was amazing. I, I would just uh, – I'm so glad you, you brought in um, and talked about that piece on reflection um, because uh, there are so many intersections and similarities between <laughs> – anti-racism and Ignatian spirituality, whether we're, you, you highlighted reflection, but also being persons formed with others, um, uh, cure personalis, a care for the whole person, um, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, uh, Ignatian spirituality is aligned with 
um, anti-racism. So for people out there who um, hear us talking about anti-racism and this DEIA work, but might be hesitant to hesitant to engage because they're thinking, well, you know, it it's, it, it sounds you know uh, provocative or you know it, it you know I know this feels like the right thing to do, but how does this align with my faith? How does this align with uh, Ignatian spirituality or Catholic teachings? Uh, it is, they are very much aligned, very much related, and very much connected. Um, I just wanted to add uh, to, to what you shared, Jamal, that, that it's really important that we, uh, that we become and that we remain proactive in this work. Um, Jamal, we talked about this a lot. Um, uh, there were two uh, reactions to the murder of George Floyd. Uh, one perspective was, how could this have happened? I can't believe it. That was, you know, that was just a heinous act in broad daylight. You know, how does this happen in this world? And then, you know, the, the very different perspective, another perspective was, you know, and you and I talked about this, you know, this was uh, one example we got on video that, that we totally thought this happened, uh, not necessarily on a regular basis, but, you know, it's, it's, we know that this wasn't the first time something like this happened. Um, so those are very, very different perspectives. And I think they sort of marked where we are in society. Um, we don't want people, if you're listening to, to be in a space where you're caught off guard or surprised by the fact that racism, oppression, marginalization exists in society and can be manifest in some very horrific and terrible ways, right? So the goal is to stay in front of this work, uh, to remain in front of it. Um, so you can understand that it happens and then plan for ways to respond. Um, and just to share a, just an example uh, from the from the consulting space Facts. that I live in uh, from time to time, I do some work with with schools and uh, schools that do this work and do it well. Um, in many cases, the principals or the presidents at these schools uh, have reached out and we're already planning for ways to uh, respond to the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So, you know, some of the conversations I was in you know, principals were like, well, you know, I know historically uh, these cases don't quite turn out the way we might think they are. We go into these situations thinking that, oh, that's an easy slam dunk. You know, this is what's going to happen. And then we, we're shocked when we find out that it didn't. But people of color and uh, oppressed um, uh, and marginalized populations are, are left hurting because, you know, uh, most of us realize that, uh, particularly in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, if uh, you know, a man of color uh, goes to Kenosha, uh, obtains a gun, gun's not his, um, goes into a space where there's already a curfew, but chooses to be out there uh, engaging with, with the public, and then an incident happens and they claim self-defense, that, that court case is not going to play out the same way for, for, uh, for a man of color, right? That, that individual is going to be up under the jail. Um, and so, you know, some of these principals and presidents were saying, you know, what I'd like to do is create a space in our chapel or, or have some individuals on campus who can assist in consoling or helping our, our, our students heal, or let's have a prayer service, um, you know, uh, to, 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 to help us get past this or help us to understand it. Um, and, and so those are just ways that, uh, you know, as you engage in this work to begin to sort of change your minds a little bit and think about, um, when you think something is 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 going to be easy or play out just the way you think, understand that people of color and, and people from oppressed and, and marginalized communities, we we can't we can't we don't have the benefit of thinking that way. Uh, we're always on edge. Most of us are on edge, thinking, okay, 
But if does if this doesn't play out that way, how are we going to to heal? How are we going to respond in productive ways? Right? If you think that way, um, you know you're already ahead in this work, and you can continue to move forward. So uh, Jamal and I like to say, you know, if you stay ready, you don't ever have to get ready. Uh, this work is already challenging, and it becomes even more challenging when you're chasing behind it, trying to figure it out uh, because you were surprised by by something that took place in the in mainstream society. Um, so I just wanted to add that that piece to everything that you shared, Jamal. Um, just just to um, to move toward closure, um, I just want to highlight and thank uh, the staff at Ignatius Solidarity Network. Appreciate this opportunity, this platform. Uh, want to want to send a shout out to our to our main man on the mixing board, uh, AJ. Appreciate your wisdom and insight. Uh, happy to be on this journey with you. Um, and just thank all the listeners for taking the time uh, to hear what we have to say. And hopefully to engage with us as we'll be checking our inbox um, on a regular basis and uh, and hearing your thoughts, your sentiments, your suggestions. With that, Jamal, I'm going to hand it to you to bring us to a close. All right. Appreciate you, brother. So, again, thank you for joining us um, at Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. Just a reminder, again, we want to hear your ideas, your questions, your thoughts, spaces that you might want us to go into um, further episodes or dig deeper into further episodes is as simple as sending us an email, a note to our inbox, which is at just conversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. One more time. That's just conversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Make sure you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you really dig what we're doing, please share these conversations with other people in your life. It's easy to hit that forward button, send it via email or a text message. Check out these brothers. Um, you know, we want to find or build a community of people that are involved in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism work. We want to bring more people to the table. We look forward to continuing to connect with you on this journey um, and continue to make this a space of love and growth. Um, and really, this is one of our ways, one of our practices on how we plan on being a person with and for others. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for tuning in. Peace.